Welcome to the Akashic Reading Podcast, presented by AkashicReading.com, the place where you can learn to access your soul's wisdom, or at least stop digging the hole any deeper. I'm your host, Terry Octana, and today we'll be taking steps to value yourself fully and correctly in relationships by stating clearly what it is you need, what you want, and what is non-negotiable. Two of the most common causes for relationships to end are finances and intimacy, the qualities found in the sacral chakra, which is integral to the manifestation process. Often, there's too much or too little of either money or intimacy or both. In some cases, one partner has the majority of them and uses them for control. In others, a partner feels they don't have any and can never have enough. For some, the partners entered into the relationship thinking they were meaning the same thing by what they said about money and or intimacy, only to discover this isn't the case, or needing things which contradict or are in conflict with each other. Such simple things as money or being truly seen create tremendous complexity in our lives, which can either lead to breakthroughs or catastrophe and everything in between. There's no end of drama where relationships are concerned. What I've always found interesting is such seemingly different things as physical, emotional, spiritual intimacy and money should be spoken of in similar terms, but they are. People's trust in their partner can be violated just as deeply by misspending, mishandling, or misrepresenting money matters as through the discovery of an affair. Money in the context of an intimate partnership is not a matter of numbers in a spreadsheet or accounts at a bank, but the sum of their two parts. People don't seek out a forensic accountant or a CPA when matters of money become a problem in a relationship. They seek out wisdom from therapists and spiritual leaders, elders and wise people in the community. But why? Yes, financial issues can seriously impede our ability to thrive or even survive in the world, so having the one we love make our situation perilous should cause a strong reaction. Money can help us achieve our goals and dreams, so Having it diverted or used for something else is no joking matter and calls the status of the relationship into question. Yet now more than ever, money is just numbers. We don't trade gold coins for goods, and even those who do work in cash aren't trading actual money. They're trading authorized banknotes, which represent money, which changes in worth every minute of the day as compared to other banknotes, silver, gold, and so on. How can something so ephemeral cause as much agony as finding out your partner doesn't find you attractive or has been lying to you about an affair or the nature of a friendship? The key is in personal self-worth or value. The essential nature of money is not a thing but a language, and words have both energy and power. Money creates a common language among people, so individuals don't have to create a vocabulary of intrinsic worth for every little thing they need, want, or have. People who are selling something list the price at which they're willing to part with it, which indicates not only its intrinsic worth, but also the worth they place on the change this will create in their life. A buyer then chooses not only whether the price listed reflects accurately the worth of the item, but equals their desire or need for the item over other things, as well as the possible improvement it will make in their lives. Hence, we appreciate deals, sales, coupons, special offers, and other means of getting what we desire for less. The value to us of the item remains the same or might even feel improved due to an increase in our happiness quotient, while allowing us to retain resources we might value in reserve for other items. This is a simple and elegant solution to a fundamental factor in our life. 
What we value and how we value not only indicate who we are in the world, they are a direct reflection of how we value ourselves or don't. They show us how we're manifesting ourselves into the world. There are people who save every penny so they have enough when times get tough or because they have a goal to achieve which requires long-term strategy. Others save because they fear they'll never have enough even though they accumulate millions. Some people spend and overspend in order to deal with stress, with fear of being judged, with the need to be seen a certain way by others, and so on. Yet others spend in order to manifest dreams, enjoy experiences, and move themselves further along their path, turning money into a language of fluidity and movement. Thus money and its many uses, the lack, misuse, or abuse of it, its ephemeral nature or ability to strangle us can be both a practical device for keeping us in the now, while at the same time holding up a mirror to show us how we value ourselves, or don't. This becomes exponentially more complicated and fraught when we connect ourselves to an intimate partner. Changing from an I to a we means not only are we valuing ourselves through the language of money, but also our partner and the interrelation between us. Hence, money conversations, which start out as practical matters, carry a great deal of encoded relationship subtext, which can turn things into a twisted pretzel in moments. How money is spent within a relationship not only shows how the item or service is valued, but how the partners value each other and their relationship. For example, if both partners work, it can seem innocuous that one partner is considered the primary breadwinner while the other works at a lesser or hobby job but the results of this comparison over time can be soul-crushing. Or when one partner is designated to manage the finances for both, this can either indicate or lead to inequality between the partners, which kills the relationship. Having funds dedicated to one goal used for another, without communication of some kind or agreement, indicates a disagreement not only in the value of the goals and usage of funds, but of the partners and the relationship. Intimate partners, by their nature, are equals, valuing each other equally and clearly. In inherently unequal relationships, such as teacher-student, doctor-patient, parent-child, clergy-congregant, there are standards of behavior, ethics, and codes of conduct which acknowledge this inequality, the authority of one and the vulnerability of the other, and seek to remedy it through various means. In intimate partnerships, there are customs but few rules, and each joining of individuals is unique, requiring effort to put a foundation in place. One of the most necessary components, trust, can be assumed, or better yet developed over time, through the small daily interactions which indicate how we value both ourselves and the other. We indicate what type of person we are or are becoming through what we do. Money issues can be a violation of this trust, indicating through very clear language how the values of one partner don't match the values of the other. They can also indicate where one partner is not valuing the other partner in a healthy way. So too can issues of intimacy. If money is the language of value, the means by which we speak Akasha into reality, then intimacy in all its forms is the action which speaks louder than words. The most common intimacy issue is an affair, whether it's physical, emotional, spiritual, or any mixture of these three. An affair is one partner valuing someone else more than the partner they are with. 
Affairs can be a means of avoiding a conversation or a situation we don't want to confront. They can be an escape from a situation we don't know how or are afraid to do anything about. They can be a wake-up call that a relationship we're valuing is missing significant components we can no longer ignore or excuse away. They can also be a first step towards personal revelation and revolution. While most of our conversations about intimacy circle around whether or not someone can give it or whether we're getting enough or too much, the underlying issues concern value. As much as intimacy is a conversation between two people about how they value each other, how we are intimate, with whom, and how much, are direct reflections of how we're valuing ourselves. Codependency is converting self-worth into the need for others to value us and value themselves. All of the codependent person's identity comes eventually to revolve around someone else as they lose sight of themselves. Abused people can become abusive not just because they've learned the behavior, but because of their lack of self-worth, which they hide or medicate by being more powerful than the others in their lives. Those who are being abused can see themselves as unworthy of anything better. They often see their partners valuing them as appropriate and a means for them to improve by attempting to heal the relationship. Their goal is to become a good enough person to achieve equality with their partner, which is a never-ending and unachievable goal since they already are and their partner will never value them as such. In the romantic phase of a relationship, both parties overvalue the other, sometimes extravagantly. This is one reason why some people cannot abide a relationship which starts maturing beyond this phase. They feel a need to be overvalued and overvaluing in order to avoid their true feelings or experiencing how they actually value themselves, which they fear will be reflected in their partner's actions and reactions. Once past the romantic phase, relationships move towards accurate valuing. Healthy relationships clearly communicate value. This doesn't mean the valuation is necessarily accurate in any given moment, doesn't need ongoing negotiation or active participation. Value is not a static thing. Just as each of us is changing in every moment, so too is the relationship we create between us, our self-worth and the value we place on our partner. Unhealthy relationships either stop seeing this valuing as an active process, settle into passive-aggressive non-valuing, or actively devaluing. In many cases, this negative valuing devolves until the relationship is negative enough it spurs an ending. In others, the relationship lingers on long past the point where there's any value in it at all, indicating the level of each individual's self-worth or lack thereof. Manifesting projects, whether a relationship itself or something within the relationship, are often rife with survival reaction wants, unspoken needs, assumptions, and hidden implications. Because these are often born out of a heartfelt desire, our connection to them can be very emotional and make it difficult to use discernment effectively. One way to work past this is to use a tool I call the non-negotiables. Everyone has things in their life which are non-negotiable. These aren't the same for everyone, but some common ones are heat in winter, indoor plumbing, access to breathable air, and genes which actually fit. Most of us can come up with a Santa Claus naughty or nice length list of non-negotiable items in our lives and rank them in order of importance. Where we get stuck is in most cases these lists will be criminally incomplete. We will leave off things we feel are selfish, confrontational, too demanding, or entitled. 
we will fail to list things we know have caused us problems in the past because we don't feel empowered to insert our I am in favor of someone or anyone else. We don't feel we have the right to say, and we don't, even to ourselves. This means in manifesting, we either don't state things which we need, we try to sneak them in as assumptions, hope they're implied in things we want, or list them as something which is negotiable. This, of course, sets us up for failure. Or to live out the Rolling Stones song once again, we'll get what we need, not what we want, and in a way which is at best humbling and often sets us back while leaving us more miserable than we were before. Instead, I suggest people write down the specifics of what they want. Not necessarily as part of the manifestation, although putting such a list on an altar or under an activated crystal or what have you certainly boosts the signal and supports the work. But the process of writing things down causes us to clarify our thoughts and put them into concrete form, whether this is in an electronic document or on notebook paper or parchment for that matter. In situations where we struggle to articulate what we want to our partner, this can help us put things in words literally. Once you have everything down, and I recommend not editing yourself the first go-round, take a break and do something else. Let yourself relax and think about something else for an hour or a day. Then come back to the list for the next pass, which is about discernment and the non-negotiables. I tend to use a different colored pen for this pass, so it's easier for me to take things in visually. First, you need to determine the non-negotiables. To do this, start with number one, what on this list is already non-negotiable? Highlight or underline these words, phrases, and sentences. Reword if necessary to make them more clear for others and the universe if necessary. Step two, where are their non-negotiables implied? It may seem absurd, but look at each item and think what is implied within each one. For example, think of trying to manifest a perfect partner. Usually, we think of the fact they should be human as implied, but it's not. So if you don't specify human, you'll be more than likely to get a pet as they're a better and easier fit. You might also think about things such as healthy, single, emotionally available, ready to enter into the type of relationship I want, and so on. Write these out in full, then highlight or underline them. Step three, where are the assumptions? For example, Often people assume if they work to manifest their perfect match, this means they'll meet the perfect partner who will help them create happily ever after, and all their issues will be resolved. But a perfect match to someone who is ignoring their true needs, not stating their non-negotiables, and using wants as coping mechanisms, is someone who does the same. Like calls to like. So instead of creating happily ever after, they'll sabotage each other and themselves barraging each other with coping mechanisms until one or the other or both is smothered in what's happening to me? Look through the list to find all the assumptions. Write them out, then cross them out, and look to see if you can find the underlying need. Allow yourself to sit with each one until the need communicates to you the non-negotiable. Step four. What non-negotiables do you need to add? These are things which constantly come to mind and then you dissuade yourself from writing them down because they're too. Too silly, too specific, too superficial, too greedy, too selfish. Ignore the judgment of two and write them down. Allow yourself the privilege of highlighting or underlining them and see how it supports or changes what and how well you're manifesting. 
This is how you start allowing yourself to know what you know. It's one way to begin honoring the I am within you. Once you've done all this, again, let it rest. Let it sit for an hour or a day or a week. Let your nervous system calm down and normalize around the fact this list exists and you can see the truth. You know what you know. You can then work with the list as it is. Make a clean copy. Rework it to include all the non-negotiables in a more harmonious way. Or if you realize you need to dump it all and start over because you've now got a better, clearer, more fabulous way to manifest your project, that's good too. Being able to state clearly what it is you need, what you want, and what is non-negotiable about these things is in itself valuing yourself fully and correctly. Being able to share this with your partner is an investment which will bring exponential dividends, whether this is in honesty, which promotes truth, deepening intimacy, course corrections, enlightenment, firmer boundaries, or acknowledgement things need to end. Whether we're spending money or spending ourselves, our actions and choices reflect our self-worth and how we're manifesting ourselves into the world, for better or worse. And that's all the time we have this week. If you're interested in knowing more, check out my website, akashicreading.com. Thank you to my patron of honor this week, Lourdes. If you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it by subscribing on Patreon. You can join in patron-only classes, see all my other offerings, and get regular updates about what I'm working on at patreon.com slash Thanks. Bye.